Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Folks, before we get underway with the podcast, we want to send positive vibes, love, all of the good energy to our co-host Alex Ohari said he was taking some time off from the pod uh, this week just to deal with some mental things that's been going on. Um, wish him all the best, obviously. And Alex, know where we are. We love you. We appreciate you. Get better soon. Yeah, seconded. All those things, bro. If you know, hit us up anytime. Well, we all know that Jacob Slavin and his wife are having another baby. But in surprise news from last night, Slavin now has 20 new children after he made the Bruins his children. (laughs) What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. I'm Brandon. That's Matt. Um, And we got a busy night for y'all tonight. We actually have three different guests coming on. Um... And we are starting that off with none other than Hurricanes Assistant General Manager, Eric Tulski. Back for the second time. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come hang out with us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. You, um, you passed your audition the first time, you know. So. <laughs> right. I was nervous about it, too. <laughs> Lost sleep. Right. Um, well, we're going to start off with something that's kind of fresh on our minds after what was an awesome performance last night. Uh, but specifically, I, I want to talk about Jacob Slavin a little bit. Um, to, he just from the outside, he kind of seems to be at a different level to me. Um, and, and maybe not defensively, where he's literally always been fantastic. But in the offensive zone, he just seems to be much more confident. He's making a lot more plays. He's stepping up a lot more. Um, so did this sort of break out, if you can even call it that? Did, did it catch you guys at all by surprise, or is this something that you've kind of always known the offensive upside was there, and it was more a matter of when and not if? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's always been a part of his game. I think in the past, um, you saw it more in the defensive zone, where he just had a remarkable ability to take a puck along the wall and put it between someone's legs to an open man for a breakout. It's like that first pass ability just has sort of a magical ability to get a puck through a guy and out of the zone. And if he can see the ice and if he can find those reads and he can make those plays, there's no reason he can't do it in both zones. Um, And so it's not a surprise that eventually it started clicking for him at the other end too. Right. So do you think that's like a confidence thing or what is it? Because, I mean, to your point, like we've seen this pretty much his entire career, the, you know, evasiveness in the defensive zone and a lot of things that you would think would transfer, but maybe just haven't for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's hard to know why it 
starts happening. Um, like I said, I think the foundational skills were always there and why it started translating now, you know, that's hard to say. So it's obviously just one game, but, you know, do outcomes like last night's win over Boston have a little more meaning to you all? Because, you know, obviously, you know, two years in a row, we had lost to Boston in the playoffs and, you know, they're one of the elite teams in hockey, you know, since, I mean, well over a decade now. Yeah. I mean, it is just one game. There's 82 games in the schedule and you're going to lose a bunch of them and you're going to win a bunch of them. And you know, during the game, of course, everybody's very intense. Um, and after the game, you've got some strong emotions. But 24 hours later, it's got to be behind you um, because you won't survive the season if you're dwelling on every game for uh, until the next one comes along. Um, you know, obviously, there are some games that have a little more hype around them and get the fans a little more excited, get a little more attention. Um, and I don't think that escapes anyone, but ultimately once the game's done, you got to move on. And as a, an aside, Prius or Lambo? <laughs> I drive an electric car, so I guess you know where I stand on that one. There we go. <laughs> um, well, I, I, had I was to. just kind of going to add on to that. Like that's, and I think we kind of had this conversation last time with something totally different topic, but having a coach like Brenda Moore, and I think you just have seen that being able to move on quickly. Cause I mean, they just got beat by Columbus six, nothing a couple of games ago. Right. And you see how quickly they turn around from that. So it's kind of, kind of be the same thing or else you get caught sleeping next game. Right. Yeah. I mean, Rod said in his post game interview, he got asked, what do you say to them after this? And he was like, I don't need to say anything after a game like that. They all know, like, I'm not going to have to go yell and scream because I'm going to have their attention. They're going to know they need to be better. Right. And, you know, I think that's true. I think we have a pretty committed group that when a game goes poorly like that, like they know what they need to do. And um, Rod is really good at managing their personalities and their attitudes and making sure they're ready to play. So. Yeah, for sure. Um. So last time we had you on, it was right before opening night, I believe. Um, and we talked a good bit about the new additions. Um, and I think so far you guys are probably uh, pretty happy with your return on investment. Um, but why don't you just talk a little bit about um, some of the new additions you guys had from over the off season? Yeah, I mean, I think across the board, you know, just about everyone has fit in well. And you can tell that because of our record, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, uh, what's our points percent right now? 750 or something like that. It's, yeah, I believe it's exactly 750. It's hard to win three out of four games without everything going right for you. And maybe even a little bit more than you had a right to expect. Um, and so, uh, you know, of course there've been injuries, there's been COVID outbreaks, there's been all kinds of stuff, but night after night, everybody who's stepped in the lineup has done their job. Um, and now that's we saw depth of players coming up from the AHL and not just you know sort of getting by for a few minutes, but really contributing. Um, and and I, of course, all of the attention is going to go to the you know, well, most of the attention went to the big offer sheet, but there were a big trade. You know, there were some big moves that got the bulk of the attention. But every little every signing matters, right? Jalen Chatfield played a big role for us, and you know I I, I think it's hard to appreciate 
in the off season, how everything's going to come together. But we got lucky that every single one of those guys has stepped in and really performed. Maybe those of you who focus on uh, prospects were more attuned to this than others, but I don't think Jarvis was talked about as an addition when people were going over what our roster was going to look like this year. And he certainly played a part of this too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was cautious. I was, I was still trying to say, you know, Hey guys, let's not expect him to go right away, but my God, I mean, he's been phenomenal this year for us. He's been really good. It's, you know, it's always interesting to see how some players, they move up a level and you can tell it's a step faster and it takes them a little while to get used to that. And some players move up a level and they're just ready for it. Um, and, you know, that's, I think that's the way Aho was when he came up and I, you know, not that I'm comparing the two, but I think they both have had that readiness where they were already thinking the game at NHL speed and ready to make plays at NHL speed. Yeah. And hockey and P level are like the two things yeah. that, you know, kind of pop off the screen with both those guys to me um, and, and their skill, obviously. But um, I definitely think they're at an NHL level for both those guys. And that's one of the biggest questions I feel like when a prospect makes a jump. Yep. And you mentioned Drury. I, I agree completely. Like it's another player who, if we didn't have such a deep lineup, he would be in the lineup probably, right? Most teams, right. he would be there. Um, and you could see it when he got a few games, like, he was ready to play. Yeah. Jack Drury, one of the people we will be speaking with soon. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're less than halfway. I still, right. We're less than halfway. Yeah. Okay. Obviously we're still less than halfway through, you know, this season and we've got the bulk of our schedule coming in the next, you know, three months, but you know, is there anything that you're seeing that the team might need to improve on in order to, you know, contend for those five Stanley cups that you promised us last time that you were on here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's never perfect. There's always room for improvement. Um, so uh, I think there's always things you can pick at and say, you know, we need to go a little bit tighter here. We need to go a little bit more creative there. Um, ultimately, like it's hard to ask for things to have gone better than they have so far. And so of course, there's always ways to improve and we'll be working on improving and you're never satisfied, but it's hard for me to go on a podcast and say, you know, we really need to fix this. Like it's killing us right now. Like, winning a lot of games. So it's, right. you know, credit to them right now. I don't want to, I don't want to pick on the negatives. No, of course. And I mean, you know, for a while, you know, the power play was slumping and all of a sudden, you know, we're, you know, second, I think first or second in the league in the power play. And that's, you know, not even an issue. So it's like this team, nothing's like no struggle is temporary, which yeah. is crazy to think about. You could say discipline, but even that's picking nets because the penalty kill is so damn good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say the power play was struggling, but like I thought they were really effective at moving the puck quickly and creating dangerous situations, especially the first unit early yeah. in the season was really whether they were scoring or not, it felt like they were a threat to every time. Right. And, you know, of course, sometimes it goes in and sometimes it doesn't. And lately, the second unit's been a lot better, too. And that's where it gets real dangerous. So 
and I think this is actually another thing that we touched touched on a little bit last time you were on. But uh, speaking of sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Andre Sveshnikov, once he gets a little bit of puck luck to go his way, is there one player in the NHL besides his teammate Jacob Slavin probably that's going to be able to stop him? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good players in the NHL. I don't think anyone's going to stop him consistently. But, right. you know, it's not an easy game for anybody. Um, but, yeah, he is he is a load. And um, combining his physical frame and his ability to use his body with his playmaking and his shooting, like, he's, he's a good player. Weird. Yeah, my dad and I were actually talking about that earlier, how far along his playmaking's come this year. And, and really, it's been a development over the last few years because it has kind of been like an underrated aspect. I feel like people are starting to notice it more. But, I mean, he and I think he has multiple points in like four out of the last six games or something like that. So they're starting to come. But it just seems like he's on the brink of really, really bursting through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, we were we really wanted to get him signed long term. Yes. <laughs> Uh, glad that's done, and now we look forward to seeing how it plays out. So, you know, obviously, I kind of hinted to this earlier that the schedule got amended today to, you know, fit in all of the games that had been postponed. So this is a very condensed schedule, and every team's going to be really busy in the second half of the season. So does that change the way the team um, operates here or does their experience with the shortened season last year sort of lend a, a bit of, you know, I guess more certainty. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a weird thing because the season's 14 days longer this year because they put in an Olympic break and then we ended up basically having that break in the first half of the season instead of the second half. We've all had games get postponed and had long layoffs that um, amounted to using up that time and now we'll fill in those games where we were supposed to have our break um, so I don't know that the season's going to be that much more compressed than usual games always get a little more closely packed together later in the year um, and that's I think that's just part of how our schedule always looks so you know as as the season goes on you find more rest days and fewer practice days and that's Hopefully by this point in the season, people, you know, don't need to practice every other day because we're not going to have that many practice days left when the schedule gets busy. Okay, well, as I mentioned earlier, we are having uh, two of the system's top prospects in Jack Drury and Jamison Reese are coming on later. Um, so why don't you just, and I know you mostly focus on the pro side of things, obviously, but um just talk a little bit about the job that Darren York and his team has done in building up the hurricane system into what it is today. You know, even as a contender, you have such a deep pool of prospects with so many guys with NHL potential. Yeah, those guys have done great. And, you know, like part of what I think is incredible about this organization is just about every single aspect of the organization is really running smoothly. And so whether it's that group drafting or um, Sergey and Peter and Jason working on development or Ryan Rosowski and his coaching staff. Um, like I think across the board, we're doing the things we need to do to find the right players and bring them along. 
And then we also have had a philosophy that has tried to make sure we had a good pipeline and gave those guys lots of picks and prospects to work with. Um, and so like that's what's put us in a situation where every single one of those groups has been doing a good job. Um, and I, you asked about the amateur scouts. I, I think that group in particular has um, been really effective at uh, sort of laying out an approach to scouting um, and sort of thinking about how they're going to collect information, combine information, think about what they saw and ultimately build a good draft list and run an effective draft. Um, and yeah, it's, that's, that's the engine for a team. That's the one place where you can get talent without having to pay free agent prices for it. Um, so it's, it's like a free source of extra talent if you use it well. Um, and it's been really important for the club that that group has been doing a good job. Okay. So I guess, you know, we've, we've talked about the amateur side of things, obviously. And, you know, we want to bring it back to, you know, the pro side where I guess the question I have is, you know, I guess if you could pick a top three of, you know, things that are different with the hurricanes this season, as opposed to last season, like, Obviously, the Hurricanes had a very successful year last year, winning the Central and all, but it feels like, I don't know, something about this team feels different and the team feels more complete. So if you, I, I don't know if you could touch on that or, you know. Um, boy, I don't know. I, I thought our team last year was pretty complete too. Um, I, I, uh, it's one of the things that I think we've built over the last few years is a deep team that is well-rounded and um you know honestly i think we've been pretty strong both years but i um if there's a difference this year to me it's mostly that you're playing different teams each night instead of the same seven teams over and over and i think that changes some things in terms of just there's a variety of things that are going to be thrown at you. There's a variety of things you need to prepare for. And the other side has less opportunity to get used to you and prepare for you. And so I think that changes some of the feel for it. Um, but in terms of the actual squad, you know, we've changed some players. It's a very different roster, but I think the organizational feel is still pretty similar to me. So Eric, we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, this is the second time, obviously your audition was passed. Like we said earlier. Um, thanks again for, for coming on the pod. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Before we jump into the second leg of our interviews tonight, we are a proud part of the hockey podcast network. So let's take a minute, get a quick word from DraftKings. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, and we are back with the second leg of our interviews tonight. And we have something very, very special for y'all this evening. And for the first time, we are doing a little bit of a double interview as we are really, really excited to welcome on two members of the Chicago Wolves, two of the top prospects in the Carolina Hurricanes system. And Jamison Reese and Jack Drury, thank you guys so much for taking the time to jump on here and talk to us. Thanks for having us. We're going to jump into some questions here. Um, And the first one actually is for you, Jack. Um, We're going to talk about your last year a little bit. You know, you spent last year playing in the SHL. And now, obviously, you made the jump to playing professional hockey here in North America. Um, So let's talk about some of the biggest differences you see from playing in the Swedish Elite League and then the AHL or even the NHL, now that you've got a little bit of experience playing both. Yeah, I think uh, Sweden is uh, a bit more, a lot more skating on the big ice, a little less physical, uh, kind of more around hockey sense and making passes. I think over here, definitely more hitting and uh, tighter areas, uh, but still a lot of skill involved. Uh, luckily, I've been on the good, good teams both in Sweden and here, so that's made it uh, pretty easy in both spots. Real quick, I was going to say, do you notice like a, that you have less time um, to make decisions over on the North American ice? Yes, I think less time to make decisions here, uh, but it can, it, it's hard. Sometimes it's easier to get offense here just because uh, with less space, you're always closer to the net. I think over in Sweden, you can find yourself pretty far away from that when you get the puck sometimes. So I think it kind of balances out and, uh, you know, there's certain pros and cons to each. Uh, each style, but definitely different. All right. Um, So Jameson, obviously, you know, the last season was weird. You were supposed to, you know, end up playing your last season in the OHL, but you ended up playing in Chicago in a shortened season. So, so how would you describe, uh, you know, that first season, your first taste of professional hockey, and then, you know, kind of what lessons you took from that season that you've maybe applied to this year? Um, Yeah. I mean, it was definitely nice kind of getting a head start last year. Um, and I would say it's still definitely different. I mean, obviously with a lot of the players from taxi coming back, I mean, it's still some, I guess we're up again right now, but, um, it's definitely a different league. Um, the speed is a little bit faster this year, I find, and I just, it's tougher. That's for sure. So I think that's, uh, the two biggest things, um, from last year to this year. Uh, and this question is actually kind of for both of you guys. You know, you both started the year, you both had really good training camps and looked really good in the preseason games. Um, but you end up back in Chicago. It's definitely a loaded team at the AHL level. Um, so why don't you just speak a little bit to the experience playing on a team like that? And you got a lot of veterans, you know, with NHL experience already. So have any of them maybe like stood out a little bit as guys you can kind of talk to, lean on, just good leaders kind of thing? I think we got a, like, we got a good group of guys. Like obviously we're a good team, that's for sure um and we're we're deep i think like we could be a really good team here this year and go far um but we just thought, like it's a good group like everybody gets along in the dressing room like it's 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 nice uh and obviously like having those guys that have played games they like have stories for us and stuff like that that are cool and it just it's nice it's good to it's good to have them yeah i agree i think uh we got good leaders and uh our leadership core up there is really good. And then I think we got a good, uh, good group of young guys that have gotten to spend uh, a lot of time together now with a couple of uh, development camps and rookie camps. 
Uh, so it's, it's a, t- it's a good team. We're really close. And I think it's good. We kind of got the different uh, groups of, you know, the older guys with experience and then some young guys that can bring some uh, energy. Obviously, you know, in December we had, you know, the big COVID COVID outbreak up with the Canes. Um, so were you expecting the call when it came? Oh uh, yeah. I think, uh, uh, the day before I got called up, they had like five guys or whatever it was in the COVID list. And I, I wasn't sure, but I thought maybe there's a chance. Uh, so I think uh, when uh, Warzy told me after practice, you know, it's, it was still really exciting, but I think I had a, you know, idea it was a possibility. So it, it wasn't out of nowhere. And then, you know, building off of that, you know, take us through your debut. I mean, you know, you got to score your first NHL goal in your first game with your parents in the building. Like talk us through that. Yeah, it was really cool. I think uh, the fans in Carolina made it uh, such a special experience. I really wasn't expecting that. Uh, the, the game itself was just really fun, uh, you know, packed crowd. Everyone's so loud there. It's a loud building. And then scoring was really cool uh, just to have my family and siblings there. I think for them, uh, that was really special. And uh, same thing for Reeser. You know, your family sacrifices a lot for you to get to this level. Uh, so I think, you know, just getting to share that with them is is cool because that means a lot. Uh, and then, yeah, just after the game, that was uh, – really special uh, here in the crowd when I was on the bench and something I'll remember forever. All right. So uh, Jameson, you started this year, you know, I kind of talked about your camp. You looked really good again. Um, and then you suffered a little bit of an injury setback in camp. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about your season, how you rebounded from that and just, well, what it's been like trying to get back up to speed, I guess. I think I, I my surgery went well. I, I feel fine. Um, we have a good team. So there's obviously I got to be playing my best hockey to, to be high up in the lab. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just got to find my ways to, to become more consistent. And I think, I think I'll, I'll be getting more opportunity and I'll get better chances. So for now, like I said, just kind of keep grinding, keep kind of finding my game and try to become more consistent. So, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about the team um, and obviously, you know, another big part about the team is the coaching staff. And, um, you know, we've had former players under Warsawski talk about how great of a leader he is. So um, could you talk about maybe, you know, how his system might replicate the one that they're trying to build in Carolina and, you know, what he motivates you guys to do? I think as far as systems go, they're, they're pretty much identical. Uh, what we're doing in Chicago is the same, what they're doing there. I think as a person, the best, the example I can give about Warzy and what he stands for and what he falls through with is in our first meeting this year, he said to us, uh, you know, that we're a group and that's the coaching staff included. And it's always going to be, we, not us and you guys. Uh, and he certainly embraced that all year. And uh, our whole coaching staff led by him is they're part of the team and he's backed us up when we needed to be backed up. He's held us accountable. We need to be held accountable. So uh, you know, I think that's it's pretty unique for a coach to be uh, as ingrained in the team as he is, and it's definitely played a role, a big role in our success. I I, I agree with what Jack said there. Like he, he's he's been good for us, and I think he's brought us together as a team. So I was starting to say he's an intense ass guy, man. The first game I oh, ever covered, <laughs> first game I ever covered, I was down in the tunnel. And they won in overtime. And I interviewed Lorenz first, and he's like cracking jokes, smiling and stuff. And then Warsawski comes out, and he's like. Just this stern look. I was like, oh, my he God. Wants, <laughs> he wants to win. He wants to win. He hates losing. That. 
All right. So how often do you guys watch the Hurricanes? You guys watch them a lot or, or once in a while? Every every once in a while. Like, and I definitely watch the highlights every single game, right? Same thing. Same thing for me. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what's it like for you guys to be in an organization that's kind of on this trajectory? You know, they got so much young talent and they're really poised to compete for Stanley Cups for the next while. So is that like a motivational thing? Like you really just want to be involved kind of thing or, you know, what's it like for y'all? I mean, it's definitely something that everybody wants to be a part of, but it's obviously tougher to be a part of. You got to work so much harder and, and buy into their system so much more and become a reliable player. So I think like with us being in Chicago, they've with obviously, like you said, Warzy is such an intense coach. He's obviously on us all the time and, and make sure that we're playing at, at our top game all the time. You know what I mean? So I think we're in a good spot. For sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh it's certainly motivating. I think the culture there and the fans make it motivating uh, how much it's growing there and how popular it's becoming. Um, but I think as a pro athlete, you got to do your best to just stay in the present moment uh, and live day to day. And like Reeser said, you know, we're in Chicago right now and we just got to do our best uh, each day. We're in Chicago to get a little bit better and help the team in Chicago win. And then, you know, when your number's called or when your time comes to, to be in the NHL, uh, you step up for it then. All right. So, I mean, one thing I want to ask, and, you know, this is a little less serious than, you know, some of the other questions, but like, seems like anytime I watch Wolves games or if I read the tweets, it's like Reese just got cross-checked in the back five times or somebody's hitting Jack Drury after the play. And, you know, there's a scrum involving you guys. So like, what do you guys do to deserve all that hate out there? Is it just the intensity that you guys play at? You know, do you try and give a little extra slash after the whistle? What is it? Just grinding, I think, like, just the boys working hard. Like, I mean, you want to be on the power play, too, so work hard, piss them off, and maybe they do something a little extra, and you know what I mean? I don't know what I do. I, I've heard Reeser out there, though. He's pretty gullless when he says the other guy. <laughs> There's a line, and Reeser's not afraid to walk it, so. That was actually the next question is, how good is you guys' chirp game? <laughs> <laughs> Research best on the team. Mine's not very No good. chance. No chance. It's on his Bocker. Bocker, yeah. That's, you're right. Actually. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. I mean, you can ask him if he's seen any more lizards in his room. Oh, God. We were actually just talking about that. Oh, man. We just funny. talked about that tonight. That's funny <laughs> as hell. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't really think we have too much left for you guys. But one thing we wanted to leave off with um, – what is one thing before you get to the NHL you think you need to improve on? Uh, I think one-on-one uh, -on -one offense, something Reese is very good at, so I can probably learn quite a bit from him. But uh, just beating guys one-on-one, -on -one, finding different ways to beat guys, whether that's with speed or uh, gap control, one-on-one -on -one moves. Uh, I think uh, you watch the best players in the NHL. There's not a lot of time and space, and you got to be able to beat guys one-on-one -on -one to create offense. So keep working on that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Offense is something you always can keep working on. Um, and sometimes just realizing that you just have more time than you think. Um, but, yeah, obviously mine's consistency. Right. Bringing it every night. Well, we appreciate you guys for coming on. Seriously, uh, thanks for, for taking the time for us. We'll let you guys go back to dinner now. And, uh, yeah. Keep up the awesome work. Y'all been doing great. We're excited. Yeah, Good luck this weekend. Going. Good luck with the snowstorm. Drive safe. <laughs> All right, so that was a lot of fun having those yeah, two guys on. Interviews.
and Eric Tulski. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Um, you know, one thing I, I do want to kind of point out that stuck out to me. No, I, I mean, it's, it's just about like the coaching step. I mean, you know, they talked about like the systems are identical and, and you know, that's that by design, obviously you don't want them getting to the NHL and having, you know, culture shock from being a totally different thing, you know, obviously, but just the way the coaches in this organization, Eric Tulski was talking about this earlier. It's like every level of the organization is just so smooth right now and high end, you know, from the amateur scouting to pro scouting, to the coaching staff, to the rosters. And, you know, they talk about how much they're being pushed and that this is a really tough roster to crack. That's going to make them, you know, if they work as hard as we expect them to, that's going to make them the best NHLers they can be, in my opinion, because they know they're going to have to bring it every single night. They know they're being coached by a coach that's not going to accept anything less than 100%, even if they're at the AHL or the NHL level. You know, and that's kind of something that I was kind of hoping we brought up. But, you know, obviously I'm not going to put the words in their mouth, but I, I feel like Brenda Moore and Warsawski are just such a perfect marriage of an AHL coach and an NHL coach because of that intensity, because of that, you know, dedication to hard work, being at your best. Yeah. Like, that's what excites me so much about both of those guys in this system because they are such great competitors and they both have so much potential, obviously, offensively yeah. and, you know, in all facets of the game. But I, I'm just really excited to see what those two are going to bring to Raleigh in the very near future because they're really, really talented prospects. Yeah. You'll have to stay tuned to my Canes prospect rankings <laughs> to see where I ranked both of them this week. Mine's already out. You don't have to wait. Just go, just go read it. Well, you know, and on my Twitter. <laughs> Anyways, granted, I'm not Mr. Kane's prospects, but whatever. <laughs> but you know, like, like Drury said, the systems are identical, and like, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you know, every single guy we've called up that's played games this season has not looked out of place, right? Yeah. Whether it's Levo, Mason, Chatfield, Chatfield Drury, Lejoie, Keen looked great. He was really good Saturday really good i think i think I, I wasn't like i was at that game and i was like man he's not doing a lot offensively but then i was like he's not he was sealing to. guys defensively like they had no room going one-on-one against them yeah. i thought he was really impressive defensively defensively he looks like a different player which yeah. is awesome like that's that's really good that's what that's, we need from just, him like that's not surprising yeah. to me at all <laughs> like no it's not but again the system it's like keen is not like when he was drafted and like when he turned pro, he wasn't a. I didn't mean the system. I, I meant this organization coaching. Yeah. That's what I meant. I didn't sure. mean the system. I meant, you know, these coaches. Like that's, that's the system he's in. I get, I get what you're saying. Right, right. Gotcha. Sorry. But yeah, like every single guy we've called up has fit into the system flawlessly. And that's why that, that speaks to how the organization operates at a professional level at an AHL or at an NHL, AHL and amateur level. Right. Or, you know, junior pipeline, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all the same. We draft kids that will fit into our system. You want to talk about Boston, Brandon? Yeah, man. I, we're, I mean, we're definitely not going to get out of here without talking about Boston. Um, we're going to talk about Vancouver a little bit too. Uh, we are not going to talk about the game that preceded that. Did we, no. we had a podcast since then? No, we haven't. We had a podcast like that came out that day. Right. <laughs> it came out, exactly. So we won't talk about that game. That's a burn. I mean, anyway, 
It's um, a bit like well, is, you, yeah. You there's nothing to take from that. They had the players to play. Know. Yep. Right. Columbus had gotten 12 goals scored against them again in two meetings, and were probably pissed off. The Hurricanes hadn't played. Slavin wasn't there. Like it, it, you know, no, there's nothing to take from it. There's just yeah. not. Sometimes you don't have it. But then you bounce back with a very complete effort against the Vancouver Canucks, and then. Granted, the Boston game to some degree is the flip side of the Columbus game. It's they have had some, they haven't played that much either, if I'm not mistaken. I think they had like an average of one game every six days or something. So they were dealing with something very similar to the Hurricanes. They're out of rhythm. I think that was Tuka Rass's first game back, or he just hadn't gotten any work, something like that. They were talking about that on the Boston broadcast. Um, but at the same time, it has a lot to do with the Hurricanes, just like the Columbus game did have a lot to do with Columbus playing a very, very good game. They were all over the puck. They were winning battles. Like, no, the Hurricanes didn't have it, but there's something to be said for the way Columbus played. And no, Boston didn't have it last night, but there's a hell of a lot to be said for the way the Hurricanes played. I mean, just stepping on their throats. Like, that's really In what both they games did. against the Bruins this season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Suffocating. Three nothing win um, where they just couldn't create anything and definitely couldn't sustain it and I, I mentioned it last night it was like i think it was the third period so it probably to some degree boston had phoned it in by that point because that game was well beyond over but there was i think it was a 52 second shift from aho jarvis and terabine and love that line by the way we can talk more about that in a second and it transitioned to the fourth line it transitioned like the fourth line was able yeah, to get yeah, a change the on, came yeah. on the ice. They, for 52 seconds aho terabine and jarvis had them the perfection line of boston so-called apparently not very much anyway uh hemmed into their own end lambo it was just impressive they were dominant and i I mean it was just a complete team effort brendan smith has been a different player lately by the way blocking shots keeping guys off the puck like he just he looks like he's gotten comfortable in this system which you know maybe we should have given him some credit for that because we've talked many times about how defensemen take a while to get into this system Coupled with the fact that he wasn't playing all that right. much, you know, like you add that up, there, there is something to be said about that. Yeah, early. right. I mean, I, I don't think me personally, I, I always hesitate to close the book on players, especially ones that got brought into the system like a year, like this year, you know, like the Hurricanes play a very different style than most of the NHL for sure. Like, unless we're pulling players from Colorado, Tampa, and Florida. And even then our systems are still a little different. Like it's going to take some getting used to. And Smith was in and out, in and out of the lineup. So, you know, like, I think this is more what you should expect. Like he can fill in and be good when needed. Yeah, I still don't think he's better than bear. And I think bears hurt. I don't think bear is up too. He's and and it sucks, man. He's had, he's had some rough, he's had a rough go with things this year with like he had COVID COVID. right. And then right after he got back from COVID, he got sick again. (laughs) And then like, you know, he's got this little thing that's bothering him now, like, you know, but on the flip side of that, it is a good thing to see that the hurricanes have so much depth. I said this on Twitter the other day, the canes have a large number of players that they can call up to fill an NHL role and be absolutely fine right now. And those players would fit in seamlessly. Yeah. Which is not a luxury that a lot of teams have. Absolutely not. Like 
organizational depth, man. We've talked about it all year, but I mean, it's just, it's really freaking impressive. Like Stefan Nason and Josh Levo are probably fourth line players on about half the league, maybe even more. About 15 teams at least. Stefan Nason would probably be a third line player on the Oilers right now. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. And they're not the only ones. The Coyotes. I mean, there's a hell of a right. bad no, team like, that they don't have depth. When Eric Tolsky was saying any other team, Jack Drury would be in the NHL right now. Yep. There's a handful of teams yeah. that Jamison Reese could make right I was, now. Too. That's what I was going to say. Reese too. Both the guys we yeah. had on tonight could be in the NHL for teams around the league right now. That's not an exaggeration or my, you know, bias towards my boy, but <laughs> right they legitimately just, could be in the like Reese, we saw him in the preseason and yeah, it's a preseason game we're playing against other guys that aren't going to be in the nhl but those two guys i mean especially around are, other players they'd be playing with and how well they fit into the system again like they could be contributing absolutely to what the hurricanes are today a stanley cup contender yeah it's you know? it's insane like if this was like the 2016 hurricanes for instance Drury and Reese would be in this lineup yesterday. <laughs> All season. They would have 35 games on their resume right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I think it has to do with the team has done a really good job of finding. Well, like when we had Aaron Schwartz on a long time ago, yeah, like not even a long time, dude. When we had him on, when we had him on, it was like just after free agency. I want to say it was before the offer sheet. Yeah. He was saying that, you know, when we're signing a player, it doesn't matter how much money they're making or who they are. We believe that they can fill a role in the NHL if necessary. Yeah. Like Jalen Chatfield, Stefan Nason. I thought, Josh, honestly, I thought Josh Levo was going to play in the NHL this year. Yeah. The Canes are so deep that he doesn't have to. Right. And yeah, also, and goes, I was projecting out the roster to, at, at preseason two. I, I had him on the fourth line. Yeah. And, so, and it's like, this is so, as, as a Canes fan that lived through that playoff drought and just mm-hmm. teams like of Trace and Bowman and Jerome Sampson's. Right. Brett Belmore. Ryan Beta. That's an old one. Right, right, right. <laughs> just, they're. It's so nice seeing a team that finally has depth. Sorry about my audio tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I forgot my microphone back in Raleigh, and I'm uh, not in Raleigh. So it's it's unbelievable. We 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 task him with one simple thing. We've planned this interview process for like three weeks now. No, I'm kidding. One thing. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm ending this Zoom meeting right now. Oh, no, no, no. I have to record the outro. (laughs) Folks, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us this week. It has been almost a year of the Tracking the Storm podcast. That is coming up in two weeks, and we might have a guest lined up for that episode. What is wrong with y'all that you're still listening to us, by the way? Right. We we appreciate you. Like, thank you for the ego boost. But, like, you know, (laughs) if if you're not liking it, like, (laughs) let Let us us know. know. You might be able to change something. (laughs) folks seriously thank you all for all the love and support again sending our best wishes to alex brandon did jack and jameson have something to say before they left it's a great great time time to be a carolina Carolina hurricanes fan